We are live. No hair and makeup. No hair and makeup. There's no cheating here. Um, so uh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for, uh, for joining us. As you can see, we have a microphone now, so we're, we're trying to professionalize this a little bit. I'm very excited for, uh, for my conversation with Mark uh, Bargava, who's a co-founder and president at Tagomi. Really exciting institutional player and in, in, in is facilitating trades from the big boys. Uh, and, and building, I think, a pretty critical piece of industry and infrastructure, particularly as we think about gearing up for the next bull run. Before we get started, though, things like this, Mike, uh, are actually funded by sponsors now. Um, and we have a couple that stepped up for this next iteration of Masari's unqualified opinions, uh, including Token Tax and Token Soft. Um, I want to do these sponsorships more like a Tim Ferriss style vouch. Uh, I don't want to do ICO ads. I don't want to do uh, anything that I feel like would corrupt uh, Masari's independence or um, or just be uh, uh, me being dishonest in terms of, of sponsors that we take on and, and, and me vouching for things that I don't actually believe in. But these two organizations uh, tend to be, um, happen to be ones that uh, I'm actually a fan of and, and can vouch for. So token tax, I mean, let's face it, taxes suck. Um, crypto taxes are even worse. I, I spent days, maybe even entire weekends in 2018 going through my taxes and trying to piece together the mess that was the ICO boom and, and all the trading in 2017. How to get legitimate cost basis, how to pay you know, Uncle Sam. And after ranting about this on Twitter, I got introduced to the token tax guys. They hooked me up. Uh, they have a platform that pulls from all the exchanges, wallets, and other random crypto sources that I had. Um, and we're excellent with their customer support along the way. So no one loves paying taxes, but there's a silver lining this year, a little bit easier with token tax. And uh, I can tell you 2018 was a bloodbath. So the good news is if you work with token tax, you might even be able to save a little bit of money if you have those capital losses. So uh, go to tokentax.co. The tax deadline is April 15th. Don't forget, uh, check out tokentax.co. And... Uh, don't wait until the last minute to save money on your taxes this year. The other sponsor that we have, TokenSoft, is uh, working on compliance for dig digital asset issuers. Uh, issuing a digital security on the blockchain is a ton of work, as most people probably appreciate, a ton on the compliance side. TokenSoft works with top legal and financial experts in the industry to make sure that you get things right with respect to a digital asset issuance. The company leads the market in providing technical tools to support the tax, banking, and security re regulations for digital asset issuers, excuse me. Um, so to learn about token tax and their new Knox wallet and how they might be able to help you with issuance, management, and custody of digital assets or digital securities, you can go to tokensoft.io or follow them on Twitter, Tokensoft Inc. And of course, Mason was a guest uh, two weeks ago on Unqualified Opinions. Um, those were unrelated or maybe related. I'd say that was more causality because um, he, he decided that he liked the interview so much he wanted to sponsor once we made it official. So without further ado, I appreciate our, our guest uh, being here and bearing with the intro. Um, Mark, why don't we kick things off pretty simply. Uh, Tagomi right now in, in terms of you know, the, the circles that uh, you know, I'm in and the, and the investor side of things, um, really hot company right now, oh, solving nice. a pretty critical piece of, of infrastructure for these institutional investors. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do, kind of how you got started, and, and, and what void you're trying to fill in this market as, as we yeah. scale. Yeah, definitely. So Tagomi is an electronic agency brokerage. And so basically what that means is there's the electronic part, which is around technology. So we help clients place larger orders in a brokerage manner. 
Um, the technology piece is we'll take an order, we'll break into small pieces, we'll smart route it to eight liquidity sources that we connect with. Um, and so the technology is figuring out, you know, how do you integrate with those liquidity sources? How do you smart route with them? How do you trade using algos? So that's kind of one big part of the value add in pooling the liquidity. Um, but the second is that agency piece. So mm -hmm. I think a really important part of what we were missing on market um, is someone who can be your agent and do everything in your interest. Um, and so many of the OTCs or other players in the space will trade on principle, meaning on their own balance sheet or have a trading arm. At Tagomi, you know, we execute all the trades on your behalf and we never trade against you or we don't trade on principle. And so having that agency structure allows us to basically um, you know, vouch for best execution. And so in equities and FX, the vast majority of stocks and FX are traded um, in a best execution manner using you know, an electronic piece of it and an agency piece. And so putting those two, two things together, we hadn't seen in crypto, so we decided to do it. Um, this was in late 2017, um, as more and more sort of family offices, endowments, high net worth folks, and funds were starting out and saying, you know, how do I get best execution? Um, and my co-founder Jennifer was at Union Square Ventures and heard this quite a lot from that ecosystem. Um, and my other co-founder, Greg Tussar, had started one of the first electronic trading systems in the 90s, mm -hmm. um, which was later acquired, and he ran Goldman's desk for 13 years. And so both of them were able to kind of bring uh, a level of sophistication and understanding of both the crypto market, but also what's best practice in equities. And we're hoping to replicate that and are replicating that in crypto, but solving for the nuances around things like custody or staking or you know, the fact that they're decentralized exchanges and new liquidity sources. And so it's really combining both those pieces mm -hmm. to have a platform folks can go to to place larger trades. And, and so you brought up best execution. At the end there, you brought up custody and a couple of the other kind of more nuanced industry challenges. Um, the ones that are, are low-hanging fruit that everybody has known about, in some cases for years, yeah. are um, getting qualified custodians that would allow institutions to actually custody these assets with a third party, yep. um, and then best execution. Um, so we can talk about custody in a bit. Sure. I think that's less relevant for what you guys are doing as an agency model, but um, best execution, you talked about smart order routing and um, and you know best bid and offer gets thrown around, best execution. Yep. Um, what what exactly is that, right? So so help explain um, how these aggregate order books uh, work yeah. when you're trying to trade across a variety of exchanges, and 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 if you can provide a little bit of context, just totally. in terms of what the potential cost savings are yeah. in terms of spread and slippage sure. um, from taking this pooled order book approach and kind of smart algo driven um, yeah. approach that you guys are taking versus if you were just to start from day one and, yep. and try to arbitrage across yeah. you know, five different exchanges, no matter the liquidity. Totally. So there are really two parts of that. So there's the technical part and then the operations part. So smart routing on a technical measure basically means we look at the different liquidity sources on the platform and we take a look at the price, we take a look at the fee that they charge you, and we take a look at the depth of the order book. Mm -hmm. So using all three of those components, it's not an individual who decides where the trade goes. It's not someone you're talking to who might be able to release information about your trade. It's all done programmatically. And so most of the time you'll see that a trade is split up over multiple exchanges, taking into account price and fee, mm -hmm. and also taking into account how deep their order book is. Um, and so that's the concept of best execution, that will take those three things into account so your net result is you paid the best price. Um, so the one part of it is the technology. You have to integrate with the exchanges, with their APIs, market makers who might be streaming prices at you. Um, but the second part is the ops. 
So we have to screen and choose which exchanges to work with, mm -hmm. and then we also want to set up bank accounts at the same banks as them as well, so we can facilitate things in escrow and not have the you go first problem. So a lot of people can appreciate the technology side or create software on top mm -hmm. of the exchanges, but a lot of the hard part is also working with the exchanges directly um, and being able to work with partner banks to facilitate the sort of settlement flows that have also been missing in the industry. And so banks have come into the space to do more of this. We see folks like Silvergate and Signature and others, um, but there are also interesting ones globally coming in as well. And so sort of staying on top of all of the exchanges, the integrations with them, and the operational workflows to settle the trades and make sure that you, know, you don't have counterparty risk um, is, is really hard. And putting all of that together is what our team of 16 has been building for over a year on both the operational side and getting licensed to do that um, and on the technology and exchange side. In terms of savings, you know, we were lucky enough to launch in December. Um, we onboarded many really prominent clients who had seen all sorts of solutions in the space. Um, and you know, we originally did a $16 million round and now uh, recently closed a $12 million round only open to these new clients in the last two months because many of them asked to invest. So it was led by Paradigm, Fred Ursum and Matt Wong, who obviously have a lot of experience in the space, but folks like Pantera and Multicoin, Coventures and others also saw the value add here. So mm -hmm. I think you know, we're getting a really good initial traction based on that best execution, better pricing, but there are also some soft factors, like people really like the interface, using algorithms to split up their trades over time so they don't move the market. Um, over time and over exchanges. And over exchanges, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, remaining anonymous. So it's kind of a mix of that best price execution, which is really you know, the meat and potatoes of what we do, but also a lot of the tools that people have been lacking in the space as well. Well, it's, it's not just um, best execution. It's also just that most people on the institutional side do not tr trust crypto exchanges, right? right? Um, most people in the industry don't trust crypto exchanges, yeah. but we don't really have the same, the same tools available. I think that's um, definitely true further down the list. So there are definitely a lot of great exchanges with mm -hmm. really strong brands, but I think what institutions are frustrated by is once they kind of hook up to the first five exchanges, they have to split up their balance sheet, they have mm -hmm. to manage it, they have to go through KYC AML five times, and then it's especially true as you go beyond the top five and you start talking about exchanges internationally and people yeah. you might not have a relationship with or you're not sure exactly how they're regulated. So it's kind of our job to do that screening of you know which exchanges should you trust and, and then us integrating with them and giving you that access in one portal. How, how do you make that distinction? So um, first of all, how many exchanges do you have? Yes. And, and, and I assume most of them are US based, but you must have a Binance, right? Uh, and, and, and a number right. of others. So, who um, can you, yeah, you sure. is the list public? Yeah, with exchanges we, you, we you share with clients. Okay. So we have six currently integrating with a few more right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the same time, there are certain market makers who stream prices at us as well. And so our smart routing will choose between- Market makers primarily being the OTC desks. Well, these market makers actually are more from the traditional equities, FX, treasuries world. Okay. Um, so we generally see OTC pricing not to be super attractive, mm -hmm. and then we also have the issue of many times they're not technical enough to stream. Um, and so it's primarily folks coming into the space who have collapsed bid-ask spreads in traditional mm -hmm. markets who are now doing so in crypto as well. Um, so really, you know, we'll screen every liquidity source, but we're open to exchanges, we're open to decentralized exchanges we've begun exploring and doing integrations with, uh, we're open to market makers. The nice thing about Tagomi is, you know, we're constantly assessing the industry and picking who has the best liquidity, you know, who's the safest platform to trade with, and that kind of judgment continually changes, but mm -hmm. it tends to be more and more folks, which is great because it means more liquidity on the platform. You guys are one of the first prime brokers uh, that, that, that's, that's doing this in the industry. Obviously, Fidelity has uh, some operations they're spinning up. 
Odds are they're going to take a little longer just because they're they're so large. Is it the OTC desks that's the primary competition uh, right now, where where you're just automating away a lot of uh, the traditional pick up the phone or, or even yeah. execute orders over Skype function that, that we've seen in the industry so far. Yeah. Um, how do you think about th- that dynamic and the interplay with totally. OTC? Yeah, so especially for beginning clients. So when we started out about 13 months ago, one of the first groups uh, to back us and lead our first round was Founders Fund. Mm-hmm. And you know their experience, for example, with OTC desks was very different than what they would expect for sophisticated players in equities and other markets and the partnership there had a lot of experience. Um, and so I think a lot of our early investors and a lot of our early clients are looking at you know, using Tagomi as a replacement and has uh, many features that are better. But I think our end goal is really to expand the market very drastically. So you know, today, and in a single day, you might see multiples of what's traded in crypto for an entire year, mm-hmm. traded in equities and treasuries and bonds. And so I think for us, it's more about the capital that's on the sidelines. Yep. Um, so many of the people we talk to are interested in the space, even with the price reduction or volume reductions, because either they think about store of value, they think about new smart contracts, many of which you know, haven't launched yet. Um, they're thinking about how do we tokenize equities. People just see the value of trading 24-7, of mm-hmm. seeing who owns what, knowing who's shorting. There's a real innovation here, but it's been kind of disconnected from, okay, how do I get involved? Um, and I think for a lot of family offices or endowments, the safe move continues to be to invest in venture funds. But there is a lot of interest there and a lot more allocation ready for sort of public investing versus venture, which is a small amount. And so for us, a lot of our conversations are much more around, hey, this should seem familiar, this idea of best execution, this idea of transparency. Um, you know, one thing that's really funny is my co-founder Greg wanted to have our kind of coming out headline being, Tagomi creates first post-trade report in crypto. Um, <laughs> because it's something that every single trade has for the vast majority of asset classes, and nobody does post-trade reporting in crypto. It's just not a thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking these sort of basic standards in addition to the custody piece that you talked about, I think it's really important to get the right capital in the space that can help fund projects and kind of grow the ecosystem. Um, another uh, key difference, correct me if I'm wrong, between OTC um, and what you guys are doing, you will custody assets, right? So correct. what's the base pair? Is it US dollars? Or is it a stable coin? How do you how do you think about that? Yeah, so we custody assets both on the cash and crypto side. Mm-hmm. So we work with partner banks and we have MTL licenses in the 19 states we operate in. Um, so you know we are regulated and work to custody cash using these partner banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the crypto custody side, it's not our own tech, but we integrate with solutions. So we looked at 21 solutions. We ended up onboarding and using three. They're pretty common names in the space. Um, and so are you able to share? Um, we generally share it with clients, yeah. I would have to check, though, if we're allowed to, to expose it. But it's, it's two major exchanges that has a custody mm-hmm. solution, and then one of the first custody solutions in the space, also backed by Founders Fund. So we, we assess them on a technology basis, on a pricing basis, on an insurance basis. Mm-hmm. And so Tagomi is really this layer on top that's not just on top of exchanges and market makers, but it's also on top of banks. It's also on top of custodians. So that's the only way where you can kind of interact with one party and get the feel of prime brokerage experience means integrating with these different players in the space and bringing it together in a way that, you know, an end customer can, mm-hmm. can really focus on trading. Yeah, I mean, if I were to guess, I want to go back to the, you know, how, how does the pie grow and, yeah. and, and how does it get divvied up over time? Um, in, uh, in crypto right now, it seems like it's 50-50 OTC versus on exchange. Is that generally your sense? Yeah. Thereabouts? It, or? it really varies. Um, okay. We're certainly seeing, because it varies by token, so to kind of drill sure. down, 
you know, with Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's quite liquid, and you can do pretty sizable trades now on exchanges, mm -hmm. especially if you're aggregating it. Um, I think for some of the smaller tokens, it's primarily done over OTC. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of mix between the two. So if an OTC many times gets a trade, it might reach out to other OTCs, but then it also jumps onto exchanges. Well, and now most exchanges have their own desks. And now exchanges so, have their desks. So it's all kind of... Over a gray area. Yeah, it, it's mm -hmm. really hard to navigate, right? And so that's part of what we're trying to do, is be able to sit on top of it. Um, we see a lot of like you know reported exchange volumes might not be correct. When you actually start pinging the order book at, at deeper depths, it's not coming back the way you might expect. Um, a lot of OTCs, when they quote you certain prices, you know they're scrambling to go get it from other OTCs. Mm -hmm. It's just an industry that looked very much like stocks and equities in the 90s. And since then, you know, in the last 20 years, we've come so far in electronic automation and creating liquidity and advanced mm -hmm. market makers. And we expect that to happen in crypto and happen really quickly because some of the same names, like you mentioned Fidelity, mm -hmm. there are other folks that are you know, moving into the space as well from the banking side um, or custody side. You know, we expect it to also evolve. And so there should be a prime brokerage here as well. And we're excited to be that. For, uh, so the, the pie starts at 100. Um, help frame the, the delta in the near term yeah. for these folks that have been just waiting on the sideline for someone to get the combination of custody, best execution, um, compliance, yep. like post-trade reporting, uh, combination, uh, what what does this look like in like the next six to twelve months? I think we all kind of grok that yeah. the next bull run, you know, when right. it, when it happens, is going to be institutional driven. Um, but right now, while we're kind of in that yeah. uh, fallow period where folks seem to be starting to uh, right. accumulate or at least think about their positions, and it's been more of a, the gating item has been tools versus right. interest. Yep. Um, the pie's at 100 now, are we talking about 50% growth in yeah. volumes, not buy side interest right. per se, but just volumes? Is yeah. it you know 10%, is it 100, right? Yeah. Well, so, what, what's your general sense? I mean, yeah. you don't have a crystal ball, but sure. you, you're seeing some of these conversations materialize. Definitely. So there's the two buckets you, you illustrated, I think, are the right ones. There's tools and there's interest. And on the interest side, I think there's a very fair case of where do I use decentralized networks? And mm -hmm. therefore, where do I need tokens that act as governance on those? And so on the interest side, I think people are following the progress of things like Cosmos or Definity or Algorand or the improvements to Ethereum or Lightning and Block and what's going on with Bitcoin. And so on the sort of interest side, there's just a lot of really smart technologists improving the decentralized ecosystem. And I think we're still in the second inning there. And so I think a lot of the interest will follow the technology improvements, and that makes more sense. In 2017, it was a little bit reversed, right? It was a lot of interest. Um, and then that led to more capital that's helping the technology. So I think that part can't be ignored. And a lot of the sort of more professional folks we chat with, for example, are endowments that have invested in Founders Fund or USV or some of these other places. Mm -hmm. And they're actually quite savvy on what's going on in the space. And they're excited about a lot of these projects. So I do think that to really grow the pie, you do have to get that second bucket. Interest, uh, technology, new use cases has to work, um, whether it's decentralized finance or it's um, you know tokenizing equities. There does have to be more than what is today, which is primarily a store of value Bitcoin case, and then mm -hmm. some smart contracts that aren't yet fully scalable. Um, so I think the interest piece is really important, and it's super exciting to see the projects working there. I think on the tool side right now today, to get access to Bitcoin as sort of a store of value, to get access to Ethereum, which is a platform that so much else is building on, and the layer one infrastructure is mm -hmm. interesting, I would say there's certainly multiples more of what's currently being traded in volume. 
And you see that because you see a lot of money going more to venture deals. And if you mm -hmm. kind of look at the flows to venture deals, and then the asset managers investing there, it's pretty large. Um, I'll give you an example. Four Arrows is uh, the Bailey family office. Mm -hmm. um, they run Cambridge Associates. They're an investor in Tagomi as well. They came in through the client round because they're a client. Um, and it's just really interesting to see, you know, the people behind Cambridge Associates helping, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars get allocated are early adopters and know quite a lot about the space and are doing things like investing in the infrastructure like Tagomi. So I think it's not, you know, 10 or 20 percent, but it really is magnitudes. Um, but two things have to come in parallel. I think one, the tools have to be there. And two, the interest and the technology have to improve as well. And it's really hard for us to tell on the latter part, but we're seeing a lot of progress. I think on the former part, it'll happen pretty quickly because mm -hmm. none of this is that novel in terms of how it should work. The harder part is the execution and then the nuance. It's a carbon copy of existing you know, equity capital markets. There are very different regulatory and um, and custody challenges is, is is you know probably the, the, the way that I've thought about it. But yeah, uh, kudos to you guys if if, if you've you know, taken the bull by the horns and, and gotten a, a, a grapple on that. Um, are you also allowing short selling and margin trading at this point? When will that come live? You're yeah. you're in the early invite only stages. Totally. How do you think about sequencing these services? Yeah, so that's a very popular request. So I think the great thing about now having folks like Paradigm and Pantera and MultiCoin on the platform is they're really telling us, you know, what do we want and what do we need? Mm -hmm. um, and so in the next few months, a lot of what you mentioned is exactly the game plan. You know, Tagomi is only for accredited investors, we're not for retail investors, and, you know, we strive to be fully compliant. So one of the things we can do, um, which we don't think retail platforms or other folks who operate more in the dark really can do, is think about, okay, what products do more sophisticated investors need and want, and how do we provide them? So things we're looking at that the industry is growing with, and as we remain the layer on top of the industry we want to integrate, are things like lending out coins. So you have mm -hmm. quite a few interesting options now. They're getting more automated. They're getting more compliant. Um, so those are things we're looking at. Trading on margin is certainly something we're looking at as well. Um, so those feature sets are sort of in the next six months for us in terms of betaing it with you know certain clients, certainly ones that you know are more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, all within the next six months. That seems aggressive. Yeah, so they're very linked. Um, lending out coin or being able to short, you know, mm -hmm. trading on margin against coin you have in your account, those systems are quite linked. And so the ideal is in the next six months to begin running betas on that with a few select clients. What's the, um, what, what, what are kind of the key measures for you guys of success in this earliest phase? I mean, is, is it AUM? Is that the best way to think about it? Client assets? Um, yeah. Or is it number of customers uh, just that you totally. accumulate and start testing out the platform? Because I, I don't have a, a proper sense for how much of your investor partner's activity is going to move from their existing systems to Tagomi, totally. or if they're kind of dipping their toe in, yeah. testing the, the, the waters, and then ultimately ramping up with you guys as, as you scale. Yeah, they're certainly ramping up. Um, we expect it to be most or all. Um, I think our initial our initial success is really targeting the, the top clients in the space, the 20 to 50 most active traders, most sophisticated traders, and trading platforms and asset managers, and being their choice. So we view this as a fast-growing market, but you want to move and get the early adopters. So if it's folks mm -hmm. like the Bailey family, if it's folks like Founders Fund in the VC world, or Paradigm or Pantera in the, in the crypto world, I think it's looking at sort of each category of who's a more sophisticated investor, are the top people in that space, are the first movers, are they using Tagomi? 
And I think that's really our mission. And this year we got really lucky because we're starting off the year right where many of them are already on the platform and decided to double down and invest as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk a little bit about Fidelity and some of the kind of sure. larger uh, institutions because, uh, you know, I mentioned they're probably going to be a little bit slower, but they're always lurking, sure. right? And, and they have the, the massive client base yeah. to, to kind of sweep in and, and, and you know, potentially dominate this market. Um, how do you guys think about the advantages that you have just being in this kind of middle of the market right now where you're well capitalized, you've got good, uh, solid industry partners, um, but there's kind of the 800-pound gorillas lurking. And unlike a team maybe that's uh, it's just kind of innovation theater uh, at, at a, a major bank or um, uh, traditional uh, services firm, Fidelity's pretty serious, right? They've, they've been in this since 2013. The back team is, is very serious. Adam White's CEO, or uh, sorry, COO, kind of former um, BD lead at, uh, and Coinbase Pro lead. Um, so there's, there's a lot of entrants that are tied to the traditional behemoths. Totally. Um, where can you guys sustain an edge Yeah. early on and, and maybe even in the medium term? Yeah, so I think it's definitely good and necessary that a lot of the older players are coming into the space because it legitimizes the market and it makes the number of meetings we need to have to get a client go down pretty drastically. Being able to say things like Yale's endowment invested in Paradigm, Fidelity is working on you know, custody in the space and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so I think you need those entrants to help gain mass adoption. At the, at the same time, I think if you think about what the future financial platform will look like, it's pretty unlikely it's you know a player from the past or an older brand there. So I think for certain pieces it could be, like custody for example, if someone is really over indexing on, I just want a brand that I trust. But as you start thinking about, you know, how do we integrate with decentralized exchanges? How do we integrate with miners? Um, how do we put staking into the platform? Um, you know, it's really global and many of the exchanges are not set up at all like they are in equities. Um, mm -hmm. And so how do we trade with these exchanges abroad that might have more janky systems? Like all of these weeds and executions, we think needs, you know, a really fast moving team that's kind of put this together, whether at HFT shops or in crypto before. And so I think we're trying to combine both the like fast moving piece, mm -hmm. but then also the thoughtfulness around market structure. And it's very likely that many of these different players will find different parts of the ecosystem. And ours is just really focused on this best execution piece. That's you know, the one thing we're really trying to get right in the near term. And you know, we're live, we're trading, we have these clients, and we keep growing that way. How have you found the quality of data coming from the exchanges that you integrate with? And is there a steep fall off in terms of the ones that you have live versus the ones that could come onto the platform at some point? I feel like every week yeah. there's another report about wash trading and bullshit volumes and, yeah. you know, and, and the like. Um, so what's, what's real? How, how do you guys think about parsing order book data and, and, and actually getting real yeah. liquidity metrics? Yeah, so we spend a lot of time on this. So like two, two surprises in building the platform was, one, the operations part is so difficult. Like, you know, we have teammates out in London who have to work with regulators and banks out there. Um, you know, being able to set up kind of all of the operational pieces of this um, has been truly challenging. And then the second part, which we didn't expect also, is just the data is really challenging as well. Um, because a lot of times it's not just wash trading, but you also have the same liquidity on multiple exchanges. Um, you know, you have systems that might not feed data in a way that you're used to looking at. 
Um, and so that's definitely been a big challenge. And so like folks like you guys are obviously working on this, which is really awesome and is a way to integrate. I totally asked that question. Just to, it, was, it was leading and just like alley-oop to, to get like a, a nice thing that you said about us. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely one of the challenges that we're trying to, to grapple with. Well, one of the things that we found is um, exchanges are, are fine licensing out data and connecting pipes with yep. vendors like you um, because it's going to lead to more trade volume. But they actually haven't really grappled with how to license their data for consumption. So you, right. you got this weird situation where um, you guys will do 100% of the work that an right. aggregator other, otherwise could. Right. Um, and uh, it, it, it seems uh, like an open question when there's going to be a decent aggregator for, for some of this information. Totally. Um, because not, not because it's, it's not a market need, but because no one's really figured out the coordination challenge. Yeah, and we'd really love to have uh, data from we have some like you as well, because you know, we pull data at a very granular level and work very closely with the exchanges that are, are on our platform. Mm -hmm. But of course, there are other exchanges, there are other liquidity providers as well. Um, and so having a source to go to and say, okay, here's the data from our platform, but we also have a third party we can trust to supplement that data so you really understand you know, metrics around different tokens or how you might want to trade um, would be super helpful. And we've certainly seen a big gap and no one really doing that super effectively. There are a bunch of different players. And I think that's fine because it's so early on, but it's certainly something you would absolutely expect to see in the space soon. What keeps you up at night? Really just the execution of it. So there are three different sort of legs to our stool. You know, a lot of people just see the front end and the interface, but you know, one leg is all the technology, which is really hard because these exchanges certainly don't make it easy to integrate to you. Um, and it's not their fault. They started out as retail exchanges, right? Mm -hmm. People were trading $10, $100, maybe 10,000, but they weren't used to larger orders. They weren't used to robust APIs. And so the technology of actually integrating in a meaningful way to the exchanges is actually really hard. Um, and then also doing the routing, the algos, how do we think about, you know, some of the interesting tokens right now are increasingly trading on decentralized exchanges, which we think is super cool and interesting, but how do we tackle that? So I think the, you know, the execution around technology, but then also ops and legal. So, you know, the operations part is it's still hard. The major banks, as much as they might have working groups, aren't really effectively moving into this space. Mm -hmm. And so without that fun banking function and without the settlement function associated with banking, um, you know, how do you replicate that in a way that's still robust for clients? And so we spend a lot of time working with our bank partners, sometimes helping them think about how their systems could be more effective, sometimes bringing new banks into the space. And so those, the operational piece is quite challenging. And then third and finally, the legal piece, you know, mm -hmm. going and talking to regulators. We certainly get the vibe that they're interested in learning more about the industry, um, but they're really starting from, you know, a pretty low place in terms of what is Bitcoin, what is crypto, what are decentralized networks. And so kind of just continuously grinding through those three things, like it's very rewarding when, you know, your clients want to invest and use you, but every day there's definitely more we have to push on every one of those three. The curse of success. Maybe. So. The curse of starting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you're off to a good start. Good luck with everything, and uh, thanks for coming on. And thank you all for tuning in to our first slightly more professional version of Masari's Unqualified Opinions. We'll be back here real soon. Great. Mark, thank you for having thanks me. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks. What uh, software do you guys use? I think we're still live, actually. No. There we go. <coughs> no. Stop it, nobody does. Stop. So that's.
Yeah, I think they can stop her. 